Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our Southern Illinois studios is producer Mason, and also joining us in uh, West St. Louis County, somewhere, is Sean Campbell. How are you guys doing this week? Pretty good. I didn't uh, have to play any sports in the driving snow and wind, so I'm uh, more level-headed than some people. Uh, Carlos Gill, perhaps. <laughs> and how are you doing, Sean? Oh, I'm I'm doing, just trying to not lose my head and lose my cool over, you know, the little things that happen in the MLS. <laughs> and uh, that's good, because there's always little things that happen in MLS. A uh, big thing happened in MLS regarding our own team, St. Louis City SC. Uh, they... News report came out from our favorite German friend who lives in Canada, Manuel Veth, and uh, he has reported that agreements are done that Roman Berkey, the 31-year-old longtime goalkeeper for Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga, will be coming to join St. Louis City. Uh, It is not finalized. The ink is not on paper, but it sounds like agreements are done with a player and the club. This is big news. It was met with a lot of excitement amongst the supporters on Twitter, at least, and uh, also did garner some attention league-wide. Big thing is, Bayern Munich were after him, uh, Aston Villa, uh, Galatasaray, and Valencia, amongst others, were after his services, though more than likely they were after him as a backup, which he has been all season long for Dortmund this year. Yeah, he had other suitors, big name suitors, but it seems like he wanted to come here for a variety of reasons, but one of them being playing time. One of them. It also does appear that uh, he really did want to come to the U.S. and to MLS and play his trade here as well. Uh, Kind of a big deal. Uh, The one reason he was actually under contract with Dortmund, I believe, until the summer of 2023. But he's been on the bench. He's been, he's no longer the starter there. He's on a 6 million euro salary. And given the devastation that COVID has done across Europe, pretty much across the world, except MLS, because, well, America just let everybody do what they wanted to do. uh, They wanted to get out from underneath his uh, salary. So they're going to let him go on a free and a year early, it appears which will be interesting, really makes our MLS Next Pro Team, City 2, going to be very interesting in the uh, fall with uh, players like this so far coming in. Yeah, imagine that you play for, like, Chicago Fire 2 and you roll up and then all of a sudden you are trying to score goals against who had been for five years previous a Borussia Dortmund starter. Yeah. Intimidating, I think, (laughs) for some kids. (laughs) Yeah, that's the least of their worries is the intimidation. (laughs) Uh, Good news is he's not expecting six million euros from St. Louis City SC. I don't think that would fit in the salary cap, and it's not really our legal tender. Uh, But uh, no, he's uh, going to be a TAM signing, it appears. Fits in. Coming on a free transfer. There's no salary cap hit for acquisition costs involved. 
questions you're going to have questions is should an MLS team sign a TAM goalkeeper as an expansion team, especially one that's not starting? Valid questions. Yeah. There's valid questions there. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could pay him six million in euros and then he, you know, he just pops down to the currency exchange at Lambert and gets that changed over. But, to um, yeah. It's a change over to GAM. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, we talked about like TAM is kind of out, like moving out the door, right? It's, it's shuffling its way off. Yeah. It's just going to be under GAM eventually. Mm-hmm. Just say allocation money is probably the best way we should do it. Yeah. But for the moment of the two buckets, especially if Tam is the one that's going out, I imagine that all of the money spent in Tam will eventually just get lumped into the allocation money. So it's not like it will go away. Tam's almost exclusively for paying down contracts in this case. At the moment, if you know that like this is money that has been segregated off and like you are largely spending your general allocation money as it is now, why not use some of it? Well, like while you can and for what you can. Well, there is you do get more as an expansion team. Uh, you want to hold on to it. That's a way you can get signings and fit things under the uh, salary cap. Uh, they made a lot of signings so far. All of them international players filling international slots. Haven't really had to use too much. One DP looks like that can be bought down with allocation money in the future. Uh, I believe that was also a DP signing because it had a $3 million transfer on it, which is, you know, market cost. That's nothing. But the MLS, it it puts a big hit on your uh, salary cap. Well, Mike, you certainly know more about this than I do. What are the differences between general allocation money and is it targeted allocation money? Yeah. Targeted allocation money was set up to allow you to use it to supplement certain salaries, in order to build more quality and the depth of squads. In that case, it did help uh, because all the money was going to attacking players because why wouldn't you? Uh, They're the most expensive, but that leaves you with uh, a midfield that can't get the ball to the strikers. Defenders were abysmal. Something had to break. You know, they could have changed the whole structure. No, let's just throw another bucket in there. Uh... That's going to go away. General allocation money was more general. It could be spent on just about whatever you wanted. Yeah. Uh, but uh, at least they are eliminating one bucket. Yes. Uh, we're going to get rid of a bucket a decade, it looks like, in MLS. <laughs> but I suppose my point with that more is if you have this money that is segregated off and only for these specific purposes, and it will be a while until it is freed up, Spend it for what you can spend it on right now. You know, if if you can spend it within those strict rules that it must be spent under. Yeah. Use it. Use it. it it'll be it'll be there later. But if you can use it now, why not? Well, it comes down to is that your best use over the fact of a 23, 24 man roster? How many ever you got to fill it out the first time? Uh of course, Lutz is going to prioritize a goalkeeper more than perhaps other uh, sporting directors because Lutz is a goalkeeper. Uh, there's also a couple other things that this clicks on. This is a big signing. It's a name, something that uh, can get the fan base excited, put you on the map for the league, get news press. 
you're also getting a veteran goalkeeper with high-level Champions League experience, a uh, former Swiss international player, uh, hopefully someone who can help organize and get the most out of the back line so that you're not a porous defense in your expansion season, and a veteran, uh, you know, professional uh, person to be in your locker room for what's going to be a younger team. This ticks a lot of those things, and you're getting to do it pretty cheaply, to be honest, especially for a big-name player. Uh, every team always wants a big name. They got one. Is it the biggest? No. Is it expensive? No, not really. Not really. So, you know, he's on his day, he, he has been spectacular. But I'd have to call him, uh, what's the word I would use, uh, inconsistent performer uh, through his years. But he did hold that job at Borussia Dortmund for a long time. Uh, he has 232 Bundesliga games, 83 clean sheets during that time. And anybody that's been following Dortmund knows that the defense the last few years has not been that great. Uh, he's older, but the you know, goalkeepers have a shelf life. Uh, he can make some spectacular saves. He can have some real head scratchers sometimes, like he's on walkabout or something. But if he's just mid-level uh, shot stopper, he's coordinates the back line. He's able to do the distribution out of the back that Bradley Carnell wants. He is that uh, veteran leadership uh, that they are going to need in that first year. You know, can he be... Approaching a Brad Guzan level, maybe not that good. Hopefully so. Guzan's been awfully good as a TAM goalkeeper for Atlanta. Uh, that's what we're looking for. I think that's the target that we're wanting to hit. Yeah. Um, he's He's been ranked in the top 10 uh, Bundesliga goalkeepers for save percentage for five seasons since 2014. He's not bad. He's quite, he's at least on paper, his numbers are quite good. Um, yeah, pick him up, picking him up on a free is big. And also, there are rumors that he would be that he'll take a pay cut. So, you know, we're getting a big name player on the cheap. We don't have to pay any transfer for him. And yeah, it, it's, I, I, I have a hard time finding anything too bad about this it, unless we end up leaning on him for too long. Yeah, or he's just lost it. Yeah, that's always possible, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> that would be that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, it does look like he's going to be playing in this summer for City 2. Match him up with uh, Jao Klaus, Thomas Ostrak, uh, Samir Pedro, any other signings they get. That's going to be a hot ticket in town, I think. Especially for these guys playing in City too. If you know the guys that aren't going to make it up to the to the first team right away, or may end up being down there for a year or two, this will be a great experience for them to have somebody who is, uh, you know, a veteran leader goalie leading the team from the back out is always important, uh, especially for the younger guys to really understand how to, you know, how to fall in rank and file at times, um, kind of calm their nerves. But at the same time, we keep saying, you know, he's an older goalie, he's a veteran goalie. But when you think about it, he's only 31. And if he can 
do do for us what Brad Gazan is currently still doing at the age of 37 for Atlanta United. I think I, I think this is a great pickup for sure. Um because you really you really want a lot of strong quality leadership from the back, otherwise everything falls apart. You can have the best striker in the world. But if you don't have a back line that can save anything and a goalie that that's literally Swiss cheese, you're not going to do much of anything. If one thing, if he did overspend, you're spending on a higher floor. You're not going out there to uh, free agency and hoping that Brad Stuver comes big, as he did for Austin. You're hoping that you don't end up like FC Cincinnati did for three years with some of the worst goalkeeping anybody's ever seen. You're not going cheap on it like LAFC did and perhaps cost them an MLS Cup because their goalkeeping was not up to par with the rest of the squad. Galaxy have had a trouble with this for years as well. You can go through the list. So if you think the overspend is, think about it raising the floor more than raising the ceiling. And you got to be good in the back. Yeah, it definitely sounds like less of a gamble to spend a little bit more than most people would on a keeper than it is to, you know, not spend as much and then end up with somebody that's not going to be able to backstop you for for anything. And you're spending this money on a player who, at least on paper, puts up good numbers. This is not like a flash in the pan type of guy. He's he's played for a long time. He's got years and years of stats behind him, you know, actual like eye test stuff. Yeah, but, you know, the like a <laughs> front office looks at numbers now, too, and the numbers say so. Yeah, you know, he's put up good numbers. He hasn't this year because he hasn't played. <laughs> he hasn't put up any numbers <laughs> this year. Not even a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Manuel Vaith uh, just got on Twitter, says that uh, Bayern were certainly interested in Berkey. Lorient. In Ligon, Galatasaray were also very interested, but that Berkey really wanted MLS and to build something at St. Louis City SC. I think Lutz has a little bit to do with that as well. Uh, Vaith says that he thinks this is a very good move for Berkey, and uh, he's expecting it to be announced officially soon. That's good news. It's good news that uh, Lutz wanted him. It's a good news that uh, he wants to come over. Mm-hmm. I think maybe stating a little bit of the obvious, but I think this was one of the big deals that Vaith mentioned on that interview with Flyover Footy that was coming down for St. Louis. No, it'd be great if it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I got a feeling this is the one that he knew was coming close to the line. Plot twist. My Plot thought. twist. Yeah. St. Louis City signs Harry Kane as striker. <laughs> Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> oh, that'd be such a good going out of contract. <laughs> Imagine it. You can see it now. So with Berkey coming online, uh, already we have quite a few pieces in the roster. Months ahead when I thought we might even get our first player on the roster. This is kind of exciting. Sure makes our job easier to do for a year from now until <laughs> they start playing. That's for sure. Also gives us a chance to kind of go over what they're doing with the roster build so far. Um, you've got uh, a DP and Jao Klaus, a striker signed. Uh, basically a DP because he had a $3 million transfer fee. That's kind of ridiculous. Um, 
Looks like that's something that could be bought down with TAM, especially since they're giving an option year that could be amortized into uh, the salary and the transfer fee through that. Talking about Zhao Klaus's transfer fee, because I know when we saw that, we all kind of had a freak out about it because it's a lot of money. But we kind of get into this later and we mentioned it earlier as well. Every other transfer has been free, even this one that we assume is coming for for Berkey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If if the only transfer fee you're paying out is three million dollars, then is it so bad? (laughs) Well, it's not really about what's coming out of the wallet. It's if he's listed as a DP, that's twelve and a half percent hit on the salary cap. So you're losing that percentage of the amount you can spend on the rest of your roster. Uh, funny thing, uh, Stacegall and Tenorio, when they, on Allocation Disorder podcast, were talking about this, I believe it was there and not in the um, athletic uh, article, said that uh, that number's just made up. It's completely arbitrary. So you get three DPs, you've given up damn near 40% of your entire uh, roster build money. On three players. Kind of hard to play with three players. They better be awfully good. <laughs> in really good shape. And be willing to be cloned, apparently. <laughs> but getting them on the free also means that that doesn't go into their salaries. So it keeps your salary cap low. Uh, Samir Pedro, the first one announced. I don't think he was supposed to be. He just got the one. Uh, first of all, he looks to be a depth piece. A young, promising player. Uh, that could be used. <clears throat> Maybe he's might play with the MLS with the city two more than uh, some of the others. Uh, the big one from what I'm gathering is Thomas Ostrak. Very exciting and woefully unused midfielder with Cron. Uh, now I'm hearing that uh, since he's leaving, Cron's just not going to use him. They're going to shuffle him off to the reserves and don't know if he's going to be used there. So he should be well-rested when he shows up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But he might be the pick of all of these players so far. He might have the biggest upside. I know there was a lot of Bundesliga teams that wanted to pick him off from Krohn because they weren't using him. Yeah. I've even heard that uh, him not being used is one reason why their coach is on a hot seat. As they're not performing. Uh, Klaus, always on loan. You know, he Lutz has helped with his development in the Bundesliga. He's one of his boys, seems to have some talent. Uh, How big of a piece is he going to be? Is he going to be the final piece up front? Don't know. Berkey gives us goalkeeper. There's also the big rumors about Joachim Nielsen with Armenia Blaufeld. Easy for me to say. Uh, But he wants to continue to keep playing so he can stay on the Swedish international team for the World Cup. Does he feel like MLS Next Pro in City 2 is going to keep him in that sort of space? Full-time MLS wouldn't be a problem. The reserve team, third division, that could be. Don't know. So we'll have to see. It'd be great to have Berkey and then him come in on that back line already. That would check a lot of boxes. Then you've got Josh Yarrow, 
who has MLS experience already with City. So there's a lot of uh, pieces coming together here. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of pieces coming together. But the way I'm looking at it at this point, um, if we're going with the puzzle metaphor, it's less of you're seeing a, a growing picture for the puzzle as and and more of we've got some of the edge pieces together in sections and we were like, okay, here's a picture of a soccer ball and we've got those pieces set together, but we don't know where it fits in the picture yet. And so we've got sections of the puzzle that are starting to come together, but nothing's really connecting them all. And I don't think that happens until we finally see that 23-man roster for the first team. But we're seeing pieces of the sections of the picture come into view and it's really good to it's really good to see that exciting to see and i mean <clears throat> excuse me even later this fall once we see towards the end of the MLS next pro season i think we'll start seeing real concrete first team vibes in some of those last few games yeah and uh, the chance they get to play together is huge uh one thing is very german very european very international so far, but of course it is. Yeah, that is surprising to exactly nobody, I think. <laughs> because they're the ones that are going to be open. How Lutz is getting them to come in a year early or six months early is surprising. Uh, there could be reasons for that. Yeah, I was going to say, how surprising exactly? It doesn't um, happen a lot, especially in a World Cup year. Of course, you know, these guys do have international experience, but other than Nielsen, it's how prevalent are they in their teams yeah i think it's more that he's he's been around and he's scouted players that and seen things in players that people otherwise aren't seeing and so you know he's picking up berkey off the bench because you know he respects you know his legacy let's say i don't know this is going to be a lot of conjecture and a lot of putting words in lutz's mouth so ignore this but you know he's he's picking up pieces that are that he sees as being underutilized and apparently are because they are willing to be parted with whether this pans out to be very intelligent or if he has you know misunderstood these talents stands to be seen we won't know that for about a year yes and uh how many of them are going to be first teamers? Well, I think Ostrak is. Berkey is. Nielsen gets signed. He is. Yeah. I imagine Josh Yara will be. Uh, oh, yeah. I Klaus, would assume so. You kind of think is because he's going to be listed as a DP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how soon they can sign him down, but we'll find out. It's definitely looking like a lot of these pieces are coming together in a uh they're currently in systems where they're not being used because they don't fit the system that they're signed under and maybe the system that they're signed under they may not be as familiar with it as say Lutz's style that he wants so it's kind of like hey this piece is it kind of fits in this puzzle but it doesn't match the picture but now it fits in our puzzle and it'll match the picture mm-hmm. but again like Mason said we won't know for certain until we see a first team play next year uh one thing to keep in mind is the salaries Things listed are for MLS. There isn't a salary cap in MLS Next Pro. So it could be a stash league. Very well could be. But there's also benefits to them coming in early and playing with their teammates beforehand, getting settled in a new country and culture ahead of time. Uh, 
there's various benefits to that. You know, if you're underutilized like Ostrak and Berkey, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, Klaus always out on loan. Why not? Yeah. We'll, we will see how well they pan out, but it seems like Lutz is making very clever decisions, if nothing else. Yeah, we'll see. Seems sort of Garth Loggerway-ish in finding underutilized or uh, assets that aren't priced appropriately. We're not playing in that league salary-wise or transfer fee-wise, but it's kind of uh, what they're what they're doing is uh, picking up people that are uh, on the outs and can get cheap in and see what they can do. And that, that time working in the end of summer in City 2 is just invaluable. Nobody's ever had that in MLS before. See how that pans out. Uh, another thing to think about is you get these guys from Germany in during the summer. That's extra time for them to get their green cards and free up their international slots, whether those could be used for other international players or to be sold on the market for more GAM. So that's something else that the getting this done early could really help with. It really helps to get things done early. Ask mm-hmm. Charlotte about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, because yeah, as soon as they're like permanent residents, they don't take up that slot and... Uh, yeah, the U.S. has a history of fast-tracking, you know, athletes for permanent residency. So, if they can get them in before the first team, like, ever even builds a roster, they might not take up slots. They might have their permanent residency, and then, then we can see what we could build with those slots, or trade those slots for. And, uh, let's, you hit upon it. Lutz is well-known and well-respected in Germany. Him talking to these guys might have a benefit. And then there's some that might speculate that there might be housing and cars involved. But we would never be so reckless as to uh, indulge in such speculation. Let's be real. It's only a matter of time until Lutz convinces a player to come sign for City and his contract and salary is going to be paid completely in Emo's Pizza and Toasted Rats. Toasted ravioli. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna pay someone in St. Louis food, and they're gonna love it, and it's gonna be great. Hey. He's got one change of clothes in his suitcase and bags and bags of toasted ravioli. Hey, oh, I come over from Assyria. <laughs> I eat the toasted ravioli. I love the bastardization. Hey, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like hanging. I guess these are kind of low hanging fruits. You'd call them. <laughs> Uh, low-hanging loots, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, cutting out acquisition costs to keep your salary cap low uh, means that there's still a lot of dry powder left in this shotgun to fire out willy-nilly for roster build. Uh, There's also some of the other, like Young DP, especially the U22 initiative, the the Um, Young Money initiative that he hasn't used. It's time to go get a an Argentine U twenty two Diego Chara clone to just destroy the midfield. That'd be great. <laughs> I remember I talked about this when we did our previews, and I I talked about a very similar thing going on with uh, the money that Vancouver got from the Capro trade or, or transfer rather. Um, they didn't use any of it. We're still building our roster. It's gonna get used. And so, yeah, saving on these transfer fees, getting underutilized players on 
fairly cheap contracts or, you know, maybe what some people might say overpaying, but getting them on free transfers. If Lutz is right, and these are players that are underutilized but are talented, capable, we're going to have a really strong team coming out. Not to mention, you can't forget about, you know, how many of these guys coming up from the academy are actually going to make the first team? Because if they're good enough, they're going to play, even if it's just as a sub. And then there's also still the expansion draft we have to worry about, because who knows who we're going to pick from there just yet. I think he wants to get a solid idea of, of what the team looks like before he goes into that so that he can effectively evaluate what's available in the league. And then we also have the MLS Super Draft, where who knows, we might get a Kip Keller or somebody who's you know, in college and ready to go. You know, it's there's still two drafts we have to worry about on top of that, too. And uh, free agency is becoming more and more of a thing. When Albert Rusnak moves to Seattle as a free agent, there's that. Uh, the big thing is the MLS Next Pro and the Academy. Those homegrowns don't take a salary cap hit. And they get a head start in developing that before they do their first roster. So you could really fill out depth with that with junior, you know, roster slots or homegrowns, and you're really not paying much on your salary cap hit when you do that. And I think they're counting on at least three or four. That may be a little high, but at least two or three to make it. Yeah. And and how many kids came out of uh, out of SLU in in the first round of the Super Draft? It's really easy to, to scout these kids if you only got to drive down the street. Unfortunately, that class came out a year too early. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, SLU still has a really good program. Best in the country. The other thing is, if you get a senior center back, let's say, like, uh, if Nielsen did choose to come over, and you've got Berkey at goalkeeper, these are uh, usually positions that takes time to develop. So you can find somebody that may be raw with a lot of talent, and you could buy two, three years to have them on the bench. You can utilize City 2. Uh, you can develop them in their own way, get them some playing time if they're on the roster. Uh, by doing it this way, that gives you a chance to do that if you've got quality instead of just filling out with depth. And starting so early is such a benefit in this way to set up the roster and keep a plan and stick to it. Yeah. And not just a not just a depth of roster, but a depth of of playing options for for players on that roster. You know, where will you best develop? Um, you know, MLS Next Pro. Um, we'll see how the academy expands because we've got MLS Next right now with the U16s and U17s. Or is there going to be more added to that? Is that just going to feed into MLS Next Pro? Who knows? But and then there's like, you know, in the first team, are you going to actually start have a bench? Who knows? There's but there's lots of like slots. There's there's an obvious like ladder to climb here. And uh, let's talk about something else. that's not mentioned much is he's making news as MLS Next Pro is getting ready to start. He's signing these guys. He's signing these guys to come play in MLS Next Pro. Uh, the Academy's up and running. And this is all advertising to recruit talent into your Academy and recruit talent into your MLS Next Pro team. Let's not discount that. 
that's a great way to develop cheaply. Especially in St. Louis, where you have a wealth of talent in youth players. Always have. Aaron Hurd came over from Philly's Academy. There's a recruitment right there to point to. So, you know, it's out there. Uh, Sean, what's that one player who went to uh, move to Kansas City out of nowhere to develop because he wanted to play for Kansas City? Oh, um, are you are you talking about uh, Busio who moved from mm-hmm. New York? Yeah, yeah. my boy Boos. Yeah, oh. that's it. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah. If, if we could get a poster boy like Busio, um, like, you know, come come to St. Louis, play in, I don't know, Scott Gallagher, Lou Fuse, develop, get picked up by City. Or heck, who knows if they expand it further down. Come develop in St. Louis. Play for the U-14s, 15s. Yeah, I think there are plans for at least a 15. If I remember correctly, I don't have it in front of me. That's off the top of my head. I could be wrong. Another point to that is, you know, if you want to bring kids in to try to come to our academy, it's not just looking at, hey, look at this proof of concept, but you can also look at, hey, this town's always had a history of great players coming out of here. Um I don't always agree with the guy, but when he played, he was pretty good. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's Taylor Twellman. Um, <laughs> we've talked about this guy before. He was pretty good in, in his playing days, and now he's a coach in the MLS. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's Pat Noonan. Um, you know, we've got so many great players that have come out of this town. It's got a soccer history. There's a reason we call ourselves soccer capital. Um, it's that's part of it too. You got to be able to bring that in. <laughs> the St. Luligans had a very funny post, which was we have funeral homes with more U S open cup wins <laughs> than your city <laughs> or so, their state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funeral homes. <laughs> Fun but fact I, of the day kids. <laughs> yeah. But I think this is all a very good point. Like, all of this feeds into building a strong base, right? We're, we're focusing very much on the first team and kind of building the core of what the first first team is going to be. But Mike originally raised this, that this is a good advertising campaign for MLS Next Pro, for MLS Next. He's exactly right. This is a good way to show that this is a serious club that wants to play, wants to compete, and, like Sean mentioned, if we bring in some of that history and some of the latent talent here, really build something strong to build off of a very strong foundation. Also, with the recruiting, uh, you've got a very clear vision, an extremely clear vision about the style of play. Uh, Lutz hasn't held back on it hired Bradley Carnell to implement it. That's the style of, we're going to play energy drink soccer. And if you're a midfield kid with a high engine, maybe you do want to be Tyler Adams or Diego Chara. (laughs) But especially in in the MLS where uh, uh, everyone who scores is a midfielder. (laughs) And we'll talk about fantasy a little later, perhaps. (laughs) No, uh, we won't. No, we won't. No, we won't. Said, We're perhaps. just going to ignore that this week. Oh, so what? 
I win fantasy out of those three, and we're not going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we week. skip. I, it was <laughs> it was <laughs> not a, a good week. week okay. <laughs> Anything else about the roster build, the Berkey signing, all the all the wonderful candies that have been dropped in our lap so stinking early? <laughs> yeah, true. Truly, we have had a banquet laid in front of us. Hashtag I mean, champagne I, problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, how many times do I have to say this platitude? It's exciting. But it is. Uh, this look, this is a big name signing. No matter what else happens, it's a big name from a big club, long history. And for the player, a long playing career. I And for the money spent, not a you're bad getting get. a big name. Yeah, not a bad get, I don't think. Unless something terrible happens, I could see Berkey being strong for us. I could be. I could see him just being solid. That'd be great. Yeah. You get a solid uh, goalkeeper with a solid back line. You're going to have an okay first season. You'll, I, it'll be fun, and you won't be embarrassed. I think especially if Lutz keeps his head and keeps this philosophy he's had while building everything else with the, all the players otherwise that we've gotten if he keeps that with the with the back line with the defenders if we have a if we have a at least solid on paper back line in front of Berkey who is solid in goal on paper you know things can happen players don't play well the chemistry's not there who knows but Sean said you don't want a porous back line and i think on paper, striving very hard to not have that happen. And unlike some of the uh, expansion teams we've seen that have gone international heavy, there is a strong background in MLS in this staff with Bradley Carnell and John Hackworth. Uh, Lutz has been studying the league, though that's not the same as getting your hands dirty. Uh, you got guys who have their hands dirty, and for years. Uh, so when it comes time to pick up MLS players, they're well suited to take advantage of that. I do believe St. Louis City, no matter how this pl uh, pans out, so far they're making good decisions. One last thought, as we mentioned the coaches, um, the fact that we are, it seems at this moment, we're going a little bit international heavy. I do like the fact that the guys that we have on the actual coaching staff are experienced in MLS style play. So you can get the guys with the skill set that are used to a slightly different style of play, bring them in to fit the system, and then kind of have the coaches educate them on how to adapt that skill set to better emulate it in MLS play. I like seeing that, and I think that is what Lutz was talking about from the start when he said, I want to be able to merge the European and the MLS together, and I think he's doing a wonderful job of it. Yeah, I, I think we actually talked about this when the John Hackworth signing first came around, however many eons ago that was, um, that John Hackworth would be a great fit. He's well involved domestically, successful domestically, and now we have Bradley Carnell, who has been successful domestically as well as abroad, a very much enmeshing of the two, like Lutz wanted. And both have been coaches. In MLS, head coaches in Carnell's, it was a interim bit, but he was a head coach for almost half a season and got his team in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a big deal. Hackworth as well, but on a lower level. 
Hackworth also has uh, his finger on youth development in the U.S. as well. And that's important. I think that'll wrap that up till we learn more. And we hope to learn more soon. How, how, how much more soon? <laughs> we got too many riches already, I feel. <laughs> well, will dry up for a little while. Drowning Hopefully in wealth. Hopefully not. <laughs> Feeling like Scrooge McDuck diving into my <laughs> diving into my giant vault of gold coins, but then suddenly not being able to come up for air. <laughs> I do kind of have a feeling there might be another one or two coming out of Europe. Would like to see some movement in South America because that's such a ripe market for MLS. They they really translate very well and very quickly in MLS. Much more quickly than uh, historically Europe has. So, we'll see. Now that we've fully versed over St. Louis City SC's pre-MLS days, let's talk about the current MLS days with Sean Campbell. What have you got for us from this past week, Sean? Well, this this weekend, there was a fair amount that happened, but we're going to try to keep it a little short and concise for y'all. Uh, we're going to start off and get the get the pain out of the way. You know, Sporting KC, they're having their woes. They've got some more injuries. Shallowy was a late scratch. They end up getting destroyed in Colorado again. Arguably, I think the ref was calling a very questionable game, but you can't blame it all on the refs. But, you know, it is what it is. Three games in, only one win. We'll see how the season turns out for them. Um, as far as that goes, though, Sounders finally got their first win of the season. Good three points for them to pick up, that's for sure. And, and uh, uh, they other... scored. The Sounders actually scored in MLS. Oh, yeah. They finally scored. They finally got a goal. And it was Jordan Morris on his butt. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. And everyone's people are out here co- complaining. Oh, he was offside. He was offside. No. No, he wasn't. Yeah, that, they're complaining. that goal counts. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just happened to be there. Well, you know, if you're, if you're going to score a gore, goal, you better be there where the ball is. <laughs> I was going to say, 90% of scoring a goal is being there. <laughs> it's being in the right place at the right time, and Jordan Morris was in the right place at the right time, in the right position to literally put his bo- foot on top of the ball and hold it in place for someone else to kick it out from underneath into their own net. But it still counts as his goal. Good on you, <laughs> Morris. Glad to see you back on the score sheet. That is Jordan, Jordan Morris, the place kicker. Speaking of first goals, Charlotte FC have officially scored their first MLS goal in their team history. Claps. Claps for Charlotte. And what was but his you name? you still have no points. <laughs> and what was his name? Um, That one I don't actually remember. Last name was Armour. He's actually a Charlotte ah, boy. Uh, first name under. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Assisted by Ben Dover. Uh, ben Bender. <laughs> but no, it came off of a came off of a nice header out of a out of a corner kick, and Guzan actually got a hand to it, but it still ended up going in the net. And you know, if close close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, so. But good on Charlotte for getting their first goal. Still looking to get their first points. And that's always good to see. I, I really got to say their first official goal because in the first game against New England, they had scored and then it was waved off. <laughs> I, Again, well, if it doesn't count on the score sheet, it doesn't count. Yeah, you're right. 
Now, we'll give this to Charlotte. Uh, Atlanta was all over him in the first 40 minutes. It should have put the game away. But as Atlanta's want to do, they didn't. And then Charlotte got themselves tight, got themselves organized, and really made a game out of it. And for a lot of the second half, they were the better team. But Atlanta's talent showed at the very, very end of the game, and they got the goal to win it. Yeah, a real, like, a real at-the-death winner. <laughs> and well played for it by him, too. For sure. And it, But it doesn't look like they're going to be getting their points anytime soon, considering their next game is uh, the Revolution. I don't see them getting points there, either. Yeah, no snowstorm to save them <laughs> this time. Before we go He's into... not in Charlotte. <laughs> Before we go into the snowball... I do just want to say regarding Charlotte that I know that I gave them a lot of flack. We gave them a lot of flack for what seemed like mismanagement heading up to the season. The play on the field has been decent. They've they've been pretty good. They're, they're, they're not blowing the doors off anyone. They don't even look as good as Austin did last year, but they don't look bad. They're not tragic. For the players they got in, they build them pretty well it's just with all that time they goofed around and thought we're smarter than everybody else and found themselves in a bind it's that sort of arrogance that the man does not know his limitations sort of thing that really has you know people irked at him i um <laughs> after having praised the uh having uh you know bowed down and and uh subjugated myself at the feet of stats um, now to walk that back, uh, I wonder how much, uh, just like stat nerdage feeds into this. Cause a lot of sports front offices only look at stats and only look at not just stats, but advanced stats, like expected goals and stuff. And it's like, man, are, are we really trying to like bring war into soccer? <laughs> Because I know what happened when we tried tried to bring war into hockey, and it made every team suck. No, advanced stats are very much part of scouting. <clears throat> this was somebody saying, well, you know, you all say everybody builds MLS and it goes this way. But we know what we're doing. And they pretty much proved that they didn't really, really know what they were doing. And it's just that arrogance that we're the smartest people in the room. Because we're the richest people in the room. That's got people irked. I can't disagree mm. with you. I, at least, at least on the 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 smartest people in the room point. Because Tepper's you, the richest man in the NFL. Yeah, and I I don't necessarily disagree with you on that point either. But <laughs> the point I wanted to talk about was: you talk to anyone, like you, you ever hear anyone in any sports front office talk especially if they're a stat head, they all think that they are the smartest people in any room they walk into. And it's like, look, man, just because you know the formulation for expected goals off the top of your head doesn't mean you actually know anything. <laughs> well, speaking of expansion teams <laughs> and poor segues, let's talk about <laughs> Austin. I remember last week we brought them up and we, you know, they they were doing real well to start. And then we figured their real after playing some cupcakes, they their real test was going to come playing Timbers in Portland. And 
It was not an uncommon outcome. They outworked Portland in Portland and somehow came out with zero points. But the big takeaway here is they held Portland to one goal, one singular goal. And with how explosive their offense has been so far, I think it, it might be telling that they couldn't score anything. But the fact that they held Portland, who could potentially light you up, to just one, I think I think Austin's looking a little bit better than I thought they were going to for sure. Uh, but they've got another real big test because they're coming up against Seattle next week. We'll we'll see how that goes for them. And here's the hope when you Moon Tower boys have some more great stuff to talk about. At least they catch Seattle after uh, CONCACAF Champions League. That is in Austin's favor there. Oh, definitely, for sure. Speaking of another team that's in the CONCACAF Champions League, we have the Revolution, who are in an absolute uproar after they played a game in the snow. And all I have to say about this is, Bruce Arena, if you're going to be coaching a team in New England... In March, in the MLS, you you should know snow happens. Deal with it. So, so much uproar about playing in the snow. And my brother in Christ, you play sports in the northeast of the United States. Oh, they're all upset because they just sort of quit and lost the game. If they won that game and closed it out, they wouldn't be griping. Well, Carlos Hill might because, well, he's from South America. There was a bit of ridiculousness when you can't even see the penalty box on the field playing the game. But, yeah, yeah, the whining, the whining doesn't help their cause. Not getting a lot of sympathy from me. Oh, no, none for me either, because y'all remember that snowball game that I like to talk about up in Denver when we played Costa Rica. You could it was it was much more work it was much worse snow wise in that game and they managed to to make it playable. They should have been able to play this and not complain about it. They're only complaining because they lost. <laughs> it's it's New England. Not not the team, the region. It's the region New England. <laughs> yeah, it's you, not like you were on the road and had to put up with these things. Yeah. They were at home. European <laughs> people have been on this continent illegally for how many years and <laughs> We we still are are stunned that it snows in New England in March. <laughs> what? It's 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 not. It, it. I mean, that'd be like that'd be like playing a game in St. Louis, Missouri, in the middle of tornado season, and you have to call the game because there's a you have to you know you're trying to play the game and get it in because there's a funnel cloud spotted <laughs> a couple miles down the road, and then complaining because you had to play in a tornado when you're playing in St. Louis, like. It's it, that's just natural hazards. That's part of the field advantage slash disadvantage. Come on, they will not play in tornadoes in St. Louis. My my man, I don't know how to tell you this, but it's Boston in March. <laughs> it didn't snow in New York City, but they had their own little bit of controversy there, didn't they? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, New York City FC, they uh, they went down to their local Kinkos. And they walked in, they put a quarter in the printer, and they printed out a little piece of paper on la landscape, not portrait, landscape, that said 2021 MLS champions, and then taped it on one of, on the front of one of their sections at Yankee Stadium. You stole and my joke. <laughs> oh, I, you put it out in the group chat, it became free game. That's all I'm now, saying. Come on, come on, be fair to them. They spent a whole cartridge. 
of inkjet color ink on that. You know how much those things cost? About as much as two tanks, as, as about as much as a tank of gas right now. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, but no, for real. Props to them for getting their banner. But at the same time, when you don't even play in that stadium full time. You're not it, 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 being completely real. You're you really shouldn't be allowed to put up a full size banner and hang it from the rafters. Let them get their own <laughs> stadium. Then they'll get a real banner. You can buy pieces of poster board at Michael's that are larger <laughs> than what they put up <laughs> in Yankee the least Stadium. They, the least they could have done is gotten the supporters section to get together and paint a giant TIFO like they do for their their games and just made it. Hey, we won the championship, and then they can just hang that in their stadium when it, if, if it finally happens, because I don't, I'm still not convinced they're ever going to get their own stadium. Did they win or lose the game? Then that Did they little, win or lose that the game? Does anybody paper. care? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> who cares <laughs> if they won or lost? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> I just, I, I'm imagining the, uh, the video crew getting ready to try and, and capture the moment of the unveiling of this, this banner. And then they they tilt their cameras up and they look through the viewfinder and they're like, oh, it's much smaller than we expected. We have to get out the big telephoto lens because we can't see it. (laughs) They had like three, four people up there to unveil it and you couldn't even see the people. They were so far away, much less the 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 paper. The the people standing side by side were wider than the banner. (laughs) And there was only four of them. Did they at least, you know, set off some fireworks or make some big display of it? Or would that have been too gauche? (laughs) Yankee Stadium didn't (laughs) allow it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sorry. Fireworks are only reserved for home runs by the the, by the men in pinstripes. (laughs) We spent we spent two hundred dollars on the banner and and two hundred thousand dollars on the pyrotechnics. Anyway, congratulations to uh, to NYCFC on their uh, on their championship poster board. <laughs> yeah, ra- raise that raise that one up to the rafters, boys. <laughs> truly, truly a mark of history. <laughs> It'll fly away. <laughs> the ink will run in Do the. Do you want to lose your banner? Do you want to lose your banner? Because that's how you lose your banner, Pam. <laughs> I don't think they care much about this banner. <laughs> Anyway, moving along to a little bit of conjecture and projection here. Looking at the standings, I had to look up a couple extra times because I missed it. We still have, what is that now, seven teams without with, with zero losses in this in this league as of yet, three weeks in, very early on. We've got Real Salt Lake, LAFC, Columbus Crew, The Union, Chicago Fire, Timbers and Minnesota United without a loss. And my only question at this point is how many of them are for real and how many of them have just had good games and are probably going to fall back out of it. And if you ha- if I had to take my guess, I think the sh- I think the fire are going to drop a little bit. I think Real Salt Lake's going to drop a little bit, but looking at these teams and what they've done in the offseason, I think the rest of them might actually be for real. What do you guys think? Oh, the Union definitely are. Uh, LAFC looks pretty good. Timbers will be there. Minnesota, they'll be there at the end. I think we undercut Chicago. Slowlina has not given up a goal yet. Three clean sheets out of three games. 
they didn't make much changes, but they are way outperforming what I think we expected them to. And Pablo yeah, Mastriani's if uh Yeah, Pablo Mastriani's really doing a good job with RSL. But I don't I don't know how how long they can last. Yeah, I don't think I don't think RSL is going to stick around much longer than at, at most midseason. As far as Chicago goes though, Mason, I think you're correct. Uh we may have not given them enough credit. And uh especially with that Shakiri signing and if he can start getting a lot more touches on the ball and actually impacting the game like they're expecting him to, it might the the fire might not be anything to mess with this year and we'll we'll have to see can you play with with fire this year who knows Shakiri is actually impacting the games he has a huge amount of chances created yeah Shakiri and Slonina are the big ones we all thought that uh Shabilko was going to be the big fire signing but no i mean yes but no <laughs> but again it's still early We'll see how it plays out for him, Cotton. <laughs> yes, three games in, I am going to put my flag in the sand. And yeah, no, uh, a fool's gambit if there ever was one. Moving along from the undefeateds to the uh, to the defeated. winless, the exact <laughs> <Yeah>. opposite. <laughs> si- well, no, not defeated. They they may have all draws. Moving along to the winless from to the other side of the spectrum, though. We've got uh, Club de Foot Montreal. We've got Charlotte, the Quakes, the Whitecaps, Toronto FC, and Inter Miami. Are these teams actually going to be bad? And of these teams, I'd have to say the only one that won't is going to be Montreal. I think they just need a less hectic schedule, and in the middle of the season, they might turn it around. Uh, who knows? Toronto might turn it around once Insigne finally comes in. Quakes are still going to be Team Chaos. That's been easily proven so far. I think the Whitecaps may have been just a team that got hot last year and are not going to do very well, especially without Crepo now. But uh, what, do, what do you guys think about all this? Pretty much nailed it. Yeah. Um, with CF Montreal, I think that they are not good enough to hold up to the rigors of both CCL and MLS competition. Um, we saw this a little bit with the Sounders, where they were kind of underperforming in league play, but playing very well in the Champions League. Montreal is not that. I think that Montreal will improve in the table when they are focused on MLS. I don't think that Montreal is a bad team. Um, the caps, I, uh, (laughs) I talked about this is like, well, you got all that money from Kripo and you didn't spend it and your keeper doesn't look very good. So, um, I don't want to say that history has vindicated me yet, but, um, yeah, they are, uh, lacking in goalkeeping talent. If Phil Neville continues to play Breck Shea as a center back, Inter Miami won't win any games at all. But if they don't and get to play next game because he got a red card. That, <laughs> that's that's saying that even though they have FC Cincy next week, you don't think well they're gonna, they won't they're have Breck Shea, Cincy. so they got a chance. <laughs> Cincy looked good this week. <laughs> uh, the, the way Cincy played this week, no way Miami beats them. 
My dearest Michael, are you only saying that because you have Alec Khan on your fantasy no, team? No, no. Since he looked better, <laughs> they did. They look better. There's no way that this inner Miami team, based upon what we've seen, is going to beat Cincinnati off of the way they looked this last week or before. The first week, they were abject. Yeah. But since then, they haven't been that bad. No, this I, is I, all relative, <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, are, are, you, are, you, are you good suck or are you bad suck? Yeah, my joke aside, you're right, but... <laughs> and Charlotte, they're going to get their points. And Charlotte. There's an expansion team. It's just going to take them a while. Yeah. They kept talking a lot how they were going to, you know, top Atlanta and LAFC and win all these games. Well, you kind of got to build for that. You don't just say it and it happens. Well, they were right about one thing. They they said, we're going to have 75,000 fans, and they sure did get them, so... If nothing else comes right for them, they did call that one correctly. They didn't go Minnesota and Cincinnati and start off with just no talent on their team. There's talent here, but just not enough and in depth and uh, not enough really to get the practices in. To be honest, they held it so late and they look disorganized because of it. But I think they'll be they'll be, you know, an expansion team. Well, that seems like enough of this week's MLS. It's only week three. Uh, more exciting things to talk about in a bigger picture. Exciting is up to you, lovely listener, if it is or not. But we're talking about CONCACAF Champions League. We're into the second leg of the quarterfinal stage. And uh, we're recording this, as usual, uh, afternoon on Tuesday. Uh, coming up tonight, Tuesday night, which will be played by the time you hear this. We got NYCFC in their tiny little championship banner uh, taking on Comunicaciones. Uh, they'll be on the road. Uh, NYCFC is up 3-1 on the aggregate. Remember, road goals are the first tiebreaker in CONCACAF. So NYCFC should win this. Uh, if they get to where they look all pretty and they pass it around, they can't get the ball in the net. They could be shocked at the end of this. So they need to be on top of their game. Wednesday, first of all, starts off uh, Club de Foot Montreal. Uh, they're behind the eight ball, but not that far, really. Shockingly. They went to Azteca and lost to Cruz Azul, but only 1-0. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're still in this. That'll be 7 p.m. on FS2 on Wednesday night. And they'll be at home taking on Cruz Azul. And... Uh, they'll have the advantage of being able to pick up that road goal if it works for them. I anticipate Cruz Azul will take care of business in this one. Yeah, I uh, I, I kept surprisingly little flack for having Cruz Azul as my Liga Mekis team. Uh, but, yeah. Um, yes, uh, Montreal held Cruz Azul to one goal, put up a good fight. Um, I think they got it in them to win here 2-1 force it to penalties yeah see where it goes from there <laughs> i think they could compete i think they're just going to be outclassed yeah yeah that, I, that being said <laughs> they could easily get wiped out five nil at home too that could also very easily happen but we, uh we've talked about like montreal as being like kind of the also rands of the mls clubs here i don't think that's entirely true they put up a good fight against Cruz Azul in the away leg. I think they could do it again in the home leg. 
maybe pull it back, maybe force a tiebreaker. I don't think they have it to have it in them to win outright. But later we'll on see. Wednesday, yeah, later on Wednesday, uh, second leg, uh, New England Revolution go on the road to Pumas, but New England's got that three nil advantage. Uh, no road goes so far in this. That really helps. Three goals helps. Uh, they're going to have to really lay down to lose this leg. And the same thing, and that's 9.15 p.m. on FS1 on Wednesday. Thursday, Seattle, same boat. Won 3-0 at home. Wiped the floor with Club Leon. Should have won 6-0 in this game, if, to be honest. Easy, they could have won 6-0. Uh, so they've got, uh, they got goals to give away. Yeah, that's at 7.30 on Thursday on FS1. Yeah. Um, I was very much proven wrong here about New England uh, not putting up a fight in CCL after having the first round gifted to them by like a uh, forced forfeit from Cavalli. No, they went in and they <laughs> they put on a clinic. So, uh, yeah, New England stays a force in CCL. No way of knowing how much the Carataro disaster played on the Liga Emeki's, you know, mindset going into this. It was pretty quickly thereafter. I don't want to sell that too much. Uh, but if there was any, it'll be wiped away when they get it home. But New England, Seattle took care of business and put up a big crooked number. So they got a lot of room to wiggle with. Very real chance that three of the four teams going into the semis will be from MLS. And those three teams are as strong as we've seen in a long time from MLS going into these games. Semifinals will take place between April 5th and the 14th. And so it's not our place to speculate wildly, but that's never stopped me before. Uh, who do you have between Sounders and NYCFC? Sounders. My money is on NYCFC in this one. Mm, then I'm the tiebreaker. Because yeah. I am pretty much in the middle. I don't know. So pick communications. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, I have to pick NYCFC because I've got... I The way I see it, it's going to be an all MLS semi. And I think it's going to end up being NYCFC against the revolution in the final and i think that's going to be very interesting for sure i don't think it's going to be an all mls semis um but i think i gotta go with the sounders here the sounders are much more committed to ccl they are more interested in winning in ccl than uh than nycfc is NYCFC is trying to split their time between league play and CCL. Not sure about that. But uh, Sounders have, I think, more quality and depth, barely. Uh, and they have more experience, barely. The other one, you want me to pick? We've been through this game before. Cruz Azul wins in their semi Cruz Azul wins in the finals, both legs, April 26th through the 5th. We've been through this before. I just have my money on NYCFC getting the double. I, I don't know what it is. There's just, 
I think I think they're putting their money on winning this so they can actually get a real banner and a really big trophy. So they have two <laughs> trophies that they have to raise banners for, and they just do a huge ceremony. Do it up big. They did it their way. It will be funny when <laughs> NY Stadium make them put those uh, those trophies in the bullpen. <laughs> it will be funny when NYCFC finally gets their own stadium, and then they have to raise like what, like three, four, five years worth of banners. <laughs> <laughs> Ten, twenty years. <laughs> 50 years after uh after MLS we never we never see it. the banners being raised we never Our, see it being raised because the stadium still hasn't been built by the time we're gone 10,000 years from now archaeologists excavate the uh the NYCFC headquarters and find the banners that never got put up but if ever there was a year for an MLS fan to have their hearts ripped out of them in CCL it's this year they could have three of the best teams that you could possibly pick to be in the semis, and Cruz Azul will win it all. Yeah. They might win <laughs> it in penalties. They might win it in the 85th minute, as has happened to Toronto and uh, LAFC lately, but uh, we know how this ends. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've seen this before. Picked a bad time to out myself as a Cruz Azul fan, I think. <laughs> or, or a good one. Yeah, who could say? Maybe you put the jinx on him. <laughs> <laughs> From what I understand of Cruz Azul, it's very easy. They could just give up and roll over. <laughs> and I think we've given enough time to CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, if if MLS team does win, we'll devote a lot of time to that. Other big thing that's happening is uh, coming up this week, supposedly Thursday morning, uh, the U.S. men's national team will drop the rosters for the upcoming final terminal window of World Cup qualifying. Uh, you know, you've got, they go to Mexico, big game at home against Panama, and then the uh, trip to Costa Rica. Uh, big questions. Don't have a lot of answers, but we got a couple of questions, so let's go through those. Uh how are they going to replace Weston McKinney, who is out in that midfield? I think our only option is Tyler Adams at the six. I mean, as much as I love my boy Boos, I don't, I just don't think he's ready for the physicality of being the six. He may have the technicality, but the physicality in this in this confederation, I don't see him having it just yet. But who knows? He might be able to step in and in the midfield and just have it all come together for him all at once. Who knows? But I think it's Adams. Yeah, against Mexico, I think you're going to see Kellen Acosta come into the midfield to take McKinney's place. So yeah. you'll have Adams, uh, Musa, and uh, Acosta. The only other name that came to my mind was also Busio, and I think Sean makes a very salient point. Uh, De La Torre showed well, but in Azteca... I think I want the veteran Acosta. Of course, he had a really good game last time, which given his history shows maybe he shouldn't play him this time, but I think that's I think I want Acosta in that one. Now when you go play against Panama at home, that might be different. Maybe you do want Busio. Maybe you just play them 
that play your best A team both those games and hope like hell you don't have to get a point in Costa Rica with nobody rested. Even if everybody's rested, you'll still be hoping like hell to get a point in Costa Rica because the U.S. has historically found it much easier to get a point out of the Azteca against Mexico than in Costa Rica. Goalkeeping issues. Uh, both Zach Steffen and Matt Turner have been out. Steffen came back this week. Will he be ready? Looks like Turner won't be. Uh, and if they aren't, is it Horvath? Is it Sean Johnson? Is it Gaga Selena? <laughs> out of those Honestly, three names, I know who I'm picking. <laughs> yeah, out of those three names, my money's going on Sean Johnson. Really? Honestly, because I was going to say Selena. Yeah. <laughs> out of those three names, I my don't... money's on Zach Steffen. <laughs> if if you're if you're looking at backups, sure I could see Slonina, but if you're looking at someone who may need to play more than one game, my money's on Johnson because he's consistently playing and starting. He's going to be in, you know, he's going to be starting early early season form, sure, but I don't think Horvath is in form at this moment and if you don't have Stefan or Turner, I put my money on Johnson still. Horvath is actually in form. He's been getting starts and playing well just in the last few weeks, the handful of weeks. And don't forget, Horvath showed up big in a final against Mexico Yeah, on that. But I still say Zach Steffen at 80% will start. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And if you're bringing in a backup, I think you bring in either Horvath or Johnson and then Slanina on the off chance he has to play. But if you don't have either Stefan or Turner, I don't think Sonina even gets on the bench for this one. You need both Horvath and Johnson. And I think Johnson starts two, Horvath starts one. Yeah. And of course, Turner is mired in the uh, interminable transfer to Arsenal. So the other big question is striker, the number nine question. Who are they going to do? You know, they're going to bring in a whole bunch of players and try to sort it out. For my money lately, Jesus Ferreira has, the team has played better when he's the nine. But he's not your goal scoring answer. Uh, Josh Sargent's been playing better. But you know what he gives you. Gives you everything but the guy in front of the net putting the ball away. Uh, Pifok is the guy in front of the net that puts the ball away but doesn't give you much else. Any other ideas who's in there? Pepe? Yeah, he seems to be really down. Any other thoughts? I think my money is you're bringing Pepe, you're bringing Ferreira, and pick your poison on the third one. I don't think Z Zardis even makes this one because he hasn't even been starting for his club team. But uh, I think you're bringing Pepe and Ferreira, and then you bring a third person uh, I don't. I don't know who you. Br I. I couldn't pick anyone for a third. I'm just hoping and praying that Pepe gets out of this funk and puts it all together at the right time, and you know, see if he can put a couple in the back of the net in this window and just really start bursting on the seat, bursting out onto the scene on the international stage proper. I've got a bit of a controversial opinion here. Um... It doesn't matter who we bring as the number nine. We just gotta stop treating Christian Pulisic as it. <laughs> Valid point. Yep, yep. 
I would agree with that. Honestly, we put way too much value on Pulisic and the, the guy ends up coming out there trying to do everything he can for the team and then ends, ends up trying to do it for the players that are in that position to do that instead. And then it ends up detracting from the rest of the team and it breaks everything apart. I think that with Josh Sargent in form, he would actually play quite nicely off of Pulisic if Pulisic would stop like whether it's factual or not carrying the team on his back and trying to do everything at once. I've got a hot take and a probably very unpopular take. But you want somebody that teams up with Christian Pulisic at the number nine. He's sort of in form. He looks like he's healthy. I take a flyer. Bring Josie out the door. He's got skills that no one else in this pool has. He's been there. He does that. He knows how to score in front of goal. He knows how to hold up play. He's extremely good on the given goal and has a, a given go and has a history of teaming up very well with Pulisic in big games. Uh, he scored recently. He's not starting. There's people like to say form is fallacy, but this is it. He's been through this, perhaps didn't perform so well last time. Maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder. Why not? There's no limit on roster size. The big question is, is that is Pulisic going to not be because <laughs> whether he wants to or not, he's going to be target man for every single shot that comes at goal. Basically, that's what we've seen. It, it's why, quite frankly, it's why the USMNT performed better when he was out and injured. There was a lot more team play. When he's in, everything goes through him. Now, something's changed I, in this window since last window. Gio Reyna will be in. Before we get into Gio Reyna, I, I definitely think that if you have Pulisic and Altador on the on the pitch at the same time, because Altador has been playing for so long and everyone knows what he can do when he's allowed to do his thing, it might take some of the targeting off of Pulisic from the opposing team. And if they have to split their split the difference there, we could just figure out who's doing better at giving them fits and I mean, still, just having Altidore, who's played in Azteca, who's played in Costa Rica, who's played against Panama so many times before, he knows what he has to do, he knows he can do it, and is probably going up against a lot of the same guys that he has been playing against. He knows them. You know, I I think Altidore might actually be a good fit, whether Pulisic plays or not, and whether Reyna plays or not, but I don't think he's the starter. I think you might reevaluate at halftime. And bring him on as a halftime sub. But we'll see We'll see what Greg Berhalter picks. The other thing nobody ever knows when they say they know how they should play is what happens in camp. What if you bring Altidore in and it clicks? You don't know if you don't bring him in. There's also the chance that Altidore has perhaps a bad attitude and it rubs off the wrong way. Yeah. It's a knock against him and a big one. I'm just throwing it out there. Is a possibility. Do you make that change in this window? Wow. I'm not sure I buy into that. 
100%, even though I brought this up. And given that Gio Reyna's out is in, but hasn't played, he's prime candidate for rotation or substitution. How do you rotate in these games? Big games. Do you go all in in Mexico on Thursday the 24th to try to get the point there? Do you hold back and try to beat Panama and get them off your butts on Sunday the 27th? Or do you spend all of your money on the first two and hope like hell you don't have to grab that point in Costa Rica on Tuesday, March 30th? Any thoughts? Because I don't have any. That's what that's Burhalter's job. I leave it to him. <laughs> it, this is a very like much to consider <laughs> position to be in. Um, I don't know. Um, Mexico has actually been uncharacteristic uncharacteristically weak at home Mm -hmm. so do you attack Mexico or do you stick with the plan and you win at home Costa Rica seems a risky proposition because we know how that goes historically but also it's Mexico you want to beat Mexico (laughs) but first of all you want to get to the World Cup which seems much more in danger than the number two spot would tell you. Uh, my thoughts are fairly simple. You you kind of buck the norm a little bit. Go all in against Mexico, who again are looking a little not stereotypical El Tree, at, especially at home. You go in there, you try to get a big result there, get the win. And then you take the off chance of resting against Panama. That way, on your worst day, you, you know, you know, the worst case scenario, you go into Costa Rica, maybe needing a point, and you can still put your number one best eleven on the field and squeak out that first point in World Cup qualifying in Costa Rica. But that's just my opinion. But I think you gotta go big or go home and go for broken Mexico. Sean makes a very good point here because Mexico is is going to be our biggest issue. We aren't going to catch Canada. Uh, Canada have been the dark horse runaways with this. Um, Panama and Mexico are the ones to beat for us. So if we can beat Mexico, put that pace between us, and then hopefully beat Panama as well or draw with them. Maybe get a point out of Costa Rica. If that gets us third, that gets us a trip to the World Cup. We aren't going to win, so stop hoping for a win. You're not going to catch Canada. It's impossible. It's mathematically impossible. My thought is, Go all in against Mexico. Go all in against Panama. If you beat Panama, you get to point out of Mexico, you probably got third place wrapped up. Costa Rica's been hot as hell down the stretch. You're hoping somebody knocks them off. But you really... Man, even if I got my full team, I don't want to have to... I want to try to get the points before I go to Costa Rica. It is the hardest place the U.S. has to try to get a point. This is a very this is very much a much to consider scenario. 
And Greg Berhalter, we throw it firmly into your court, sir. Any other thoughts, guys? Stop. Stop relying on only Pulisic, please, I beg you. You guys were so good when he was out injured, and then he comes back, and all you do is give the ball to him, and then he gets pushed off by five guys. (laughs) Please do something else. And some of that has to do with Christian Pulisic, too. Now, he's been in form for Chelsea lately, so that helps. He's he's a great player. I don't necessarily blame anyone for giving him the ball, but you he can't be the only player you give the ball to. Everyone's marking him. <laughs> Every single player on the opposing team knows if Pulisic gets the ball, all ten of us swarm him and don't let him go anywhere. Stop only giving Pulisic the ball. Let him pull. (laughs) If all 10 players are on Pulisic, that means that nine other people are free. Pass it to someone. I don't even care who it is. Sergeant, PFOC, I don't care. Give it to someone else. Don't pass it to to Pulisic in traffic. (laughs) And if you get it, Pulisic, don't run into five guys and try to dribble through them. If you got five guys around, that means somebody's open. You got any any other rants there, Sean? I don't have any rants. All I'm just gonna all I'm gonna say is I hope we can figure it out. And uh, fingers crossed for another Dos Acero. Love seeing the Dos Acero. But uh I I I've got faith that this team's gonna put it together and we're gonna punch our ticket. In some way, shape, or form. I just don't know how yet. We'll see how it goes. And then the words of the uh, immortal Al Davis. Just win, baby. And I think that's all we got for this week. That is about it. If you're still with us and you enjoyed it, go ahead. Subscribe if you haven't already. And please rate and review the show. It really helps us out. And I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.